This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Eraser! Someone get me an eraser, quick, before the damage becomes permanent! Here you are, ma'am. What's this? It's an eraser. You call this tiny thing an eraser? This isn't even big enough to erase a millisecond. What if I had to erase a whole second? A minute? An hour? Or, fate forbid, a day? <clears throat> Who am I? Copy aid? Editor-in-chief at the Giant Book of Destiny. So get me a giant eraser. Ma'am? What? Um, the little red light came on a few seconds ago. The broadcast has begun. The broadcast? What? That was scheduled for today? Whose bright idea was this, anyway? Well, the idea came from the PR department, ma'am. In response to your directive to find a way to help sentient and non-sentient beings everywhere understand that life isn't just a series of incomprehensible, ludicrous mistakes and happenstance events bumping into one another without rhyme or reason, but, you know, rather part of a meaningful, well-thought-out plan. How's a broadcast from the giant book of destiny going to do that? It won't change anything for anyone. Yes, but just knowing we're here is supposed to create a warm, fuzzy feeling in listeners' hearts. Who approved this plan? Well, you did, ma'am. If you'll just flip back two pages in the giant book, you'll see yourself saying it's a great idea, ma'am. The little red light is still shining. We are on the air. Okay, go get me a coffee. And for the love of everything that is, has been, and ever will be, find me a giant eraser. Sentient and non-sentient beings across the endless abyss of time and space, welcome to the first broadcast from the giant book of destiny. I'm joined in the studio by Fran, our most thorough fact checker. Hey everyone! So Fran, can you explain how this broadcast is going to help our listeners find meaning in their lives? It will help everyone understand that destiny knows one thing that no one else knows. And what is that thing? Uh, that thing is... Hold on, I'll find it. Are you sure you wrote it down? Yes, yes, I'm pretty sure I did. Oh, here we go. The thing we know here at Destiny that no one else knows is everything. Knowing everything there is to know through all of time and space clears up just about all misunderstandings and gives Destiny a huge advantage when looking for perspective on any situation. Originally, we were going to provide a big-picture perspective for everyone out there, but it came to our attention that that would take forever. 
So we decided to use a single being as an example. Whose life have you chosen, Fran? Uh, I don't... I, oh, ah, Ace Galaxy. Very good choice. CISA's special Agent Galaxy's destiny is significant because it happens to converge with the destiny of his entire planet, Earth. Sit back and listen while destiny unfolds before your eyes. <clears throat> Auditory receptors. Uh, your coffee, ma'am. Special Agent Alexa Von Lucy, Grand Duchess of Bigar. Get in here. Chief, Special Agent Alexa Von Lucy, Grand Duchess of Bigar, is on lunch. Special Agent Drew, get in here. I'm sorry, sir. Special Agent Drew's having lunch, too. Regender. Eating. Genbia Belloma. Chewing. Someone who's not on lunch, get in here. Ace, what are you doing in here? I'm not on lunch, Chief. Damn it! Ugh. This is a Canadian Security Intelligence Service, a federally funded government organization set up to protect and benefit Canada and the world! Why are you always the only one in the office, Ace? I'm never invited to staff lunches. You're telling me the whole staff goes out for lunch at the same time every day? For four or five hours, yes sir. But you're never invited? No sir. They tell me it's because I'm only ever interested in discussing the big questions. Why are we here? Who's in charge of this thing called life? When are we going to make contact with beings from some of those billions of habitable planets out there? But since it's impossible to make small talk with big questions, conversations with me generally end with the short answer. Who cares? We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Are you listening, Chief? <clears throat> what? Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking about getting a big tub of hot water to put under my desk for my feet. <sighs> Well, why are you still here, Ace? You said you have a new case for me. Do you know why I hate giving you any cases, Ace? Um... I'll tell you why. Um, first meeting you, my feet felt cramped. Your feet, sir? Everything about you is just that little bit off. How tall are you? Six foot seven. You're at least three inches taller than normal. And that thing hanging over your eyes. My forehead? It makes you look like some sort of caveman. Stop blinking at me so fast. That's how fast I always blink, sir. Twice as fast as a regular person. It drives me crazy. And then there's that monstrosity where you keep all those warped projects of yours. My knitting bag. When a CSIS agent is sitting at his desk, I expect him to be typing or examining something with a magnifying glass, not clacking two knitting needles together like a little old lady. My feet are the seat of my intuition, Ace. And you make them feel like they're stuck in shoes the size of the Grinch's heart before it grew two sizes at the top of the mountain. Do you understand? I think so, sir. Are you sure there's no one else out there? Special Agent Ivana Bunwee sometimes falls asleep under her desk. Peek your head out the door and see if she's still lying around. No, sir. Special Agent Ivana's not currently lying around. Did you have a case for me, sir? Well, okay, well... See this rock acting as a paperweight for all these uh, files on my desk? Yes, sir. Chief, why did you throw the rock at me? Can't you see I've got my shoes off and my toes are finally happy digging into the nice, plush carpet under my desk? Why are you still here? 
I thought you wanted to give me an assignment. I already gave you the assignment! Now get out of here! No, sir. You only threw a rock at me. The rock you just dropped into your knitting bag is the assignment. Here, take this file. Maybe it'll be some use to you. It gave me a headache. A geologist named Akhenaten Jones was on some archaeological expedition digging up fossils from the Precambrian period. While studying fossilized protozoan life, he also found a microscopic pair of orange and yellow shoes with little red taps. <laughs> Whatever that means. Giant Book of Destiny here with a little bit of moniker trivia for those of you wondering why Jane and Joe Jones would name their son Akhenaten, especially since they were originally going to call him John Jones. Fact checker Fran, explain. Uh, okay, let's see. I, I know. I've got that here somewhere. You have one job. The moment they laid eyes on their newborn, Jane and Joe realized that he was destined for great things. Right! So to set him apart from the rest of the Joneses and to help ensure his destiny, they decided to furnish him with the exotic name of an ancient Egyptian king. While researching names alphabetically, they came across Akhenaten and liked the way it tripped off their tongues. So they stopped there. Had they brushed up a little more on their ancient history, Jane and Joe would have found out that after his death, Akhenaten's name and image were obliterated from temple walls. And that his main claim to fame was as the heretic pharaoh because of his radical monotheistic ideas in a radically polytheistic society. Oh, hey, I've been waiting for you. Come on in. Wow, I've never seen so many rocks outside of, well, outside of outside. Do you like Super Smash Brothers? I've never met them. Never met who? The Smash Brothers. Oh, it's a video game. Are you Akhenaten Jones? Yes. Are you the TV repairman? Yeah, I've lost the color in my set, and every once in a while it goes static, and voices call out to me through the white noise. I'm Special Agent Ace Galaxy from CSIS, and I have your rock. Uh, one of your rocks. You mean it wasn't filed in some giant cabinet labeled hoaxes and crackpot allegations? No, of course not. Tell me, Mr. Jones, do you think it's possible that a civilization advanced enough to cobble shoes and dance in them could have arisen in pre-prehistory? A tiny little civilization that we wouldn't even notice, even if it were still around today? Did Janice put you up to this? Who's Janice? My ex-fiance. Did Janice arrange for you to come here wearing that straight face with big questions written all over it and ask me ridiculous things? No, I've never met Janice. I'm here because I've already examined this rock under one of the high-powered CSIS microscopes and saw the tap shoes. Since they are indubitably there, my job requires me to determine to whom they belonged. May I have the rock, please? Hey, what are you doing? Let go of my arm! I'm going to throw this rock out the window. There's a mystery locked in that rock. A mystery that once unlocked could have world-changing repercussions. What world-changing repercussions? It's a friggin' rock! Bits of obsidian, sulfides, halides, silicates, just like it had been lying around here for billions of years. And in all those billions of years, no other rock ever ended up with tiny tap shoes embedded in it. When something only happens once in history, it's got to have something newsworthy to say to the rest of the world. Let go of my hand! I found this rock. I can throw it out the window if I want to. Mr. Jones, after you gave this rock to CSIS, it became government property. This rock belongs to the Canadian people. Fine. Take it and get out of my house. I wish the TV repairman would get here. Playing Super Smash Brothers is the only thing that keeps me from throwing myself out the window. Oh, maybe that's the TV repairman. Mother, what are you doing here? 
What? No hello? You know Akanakan after that whole nasty business with that greatest fine history of history's press conference and Janice leaving you and you losing your job, your reputation, your grant money. I thought to myself, my little Aki probably spending all his time playing video games and eating pizza. That's just not healthy. I should go over there and make him a home-cooked meal. Mother, that's a box of craft dinner. That's right, and I'm going to cook it right here in your home. What are you still doing here? I just got here. No, Mother, not you, him. Fill this pot with water for me, sweetie. If I could just ask you a couple of questions, I'll be on my way. Get out. Aki, that's no way to behave. You'll have to excuse my son. He hasn't been himself since he lost his reputation, his grant money, and his fiancé because of his absurd claim that we are not alone in the... What was it, dear? Universe or galaxy? Both. Neither. I don't care. I'm going to see if I can fix the TV myself. Mrs. Jones, I'm Special Agent Ace Galaxy from CSIS, and it's my job to try and determine how this rock came to be embedded with microscopic tap shoes. You have the rock? May I see it? Wait, what are you doing? I'm going to throw this rock out that window. If I can throw it fast enough and far enough, maybe we'll end up back in the time before my Aki found it, and he can go back to being the most aspiring geologist of his generation. He used to have such a promising future before he got so involved with those damn Smash Brothers. He can still have a promising future-altering future. But first, I just need some information. The water's boiling. Pass me the box of craft Dinner, will you please? Is the craft Dinner ready yet? I've decided you're right. I really would like to have a home-cooked meal. You're still here. Can you explain how you discovered the microscopic tap shoes in this rock? It was one of the rocks I found during an expedition in the Northwest Territories where volcanic activity during the Precambrian period fossilized whatever was alive at the time. After I came home, I began cataloging the life preserved in those rocks, amoebas, protozoa, worms. I was looking at the very beginning of life, your ancestors, Mr. Galaxy. Dear, please get me the batter out of the fridge. Did you realize there was something different about this rock right off the bat? Well, I noticed it had a garish red and yellow stain, but I thought it was some sort of trick of light, so I threw it down and went to look for my wallet. You had something in your wallet that you thought would help you figure out what the red and yellow stain was. No, the pizza guy was at the door and I needed some money to pay him. If I didn't come by and prepare him a home-cooked meal, Aki would live on pizza. Boys, your food is getting cold. I sat down to eat my pizza and immediately shot back up again. You had a sudden revelation about the rock. No, I sat on it. I was just about to toss it into a bucket of discards, but I couldn't get those weird colors out of my head, and I decided to take two minutes and give it one more look before I ate my pizza. You found the tap shoes within two minutes. Those two minutes turned into two days and nights of exhaustive study. Here are my conclusions. <clears throat> one, the tap shoes are not an illusion created by a random configuration of colors in the minerals and rocks. Two... They were not seamlessly embedded into the rock at some time after the demise of all the amoebas from a very painful death by volcano. Three, the metal in the taps is not native to Earth. Four, pizza can sit untouched in a box and still be edible 48 hours later. Who knew? What? Pizza might be indescriptible, but craft dinner isn't. It's starting to harden into a fortress in the pot. If you don't eat it soon, we may never get it out again. Five. 
No one would go to the trouble of creating such an elaborate hoax if they were just going to leave it in the middle of nowhere where its chances of being discovered were as remote as, as extraterrestrials being identical in form to humans. Ridiculous, right? <laughs> Six. Earth played host to alien visitors in the past, and one of them forgot their shoes at the party. At that point, a person with any regard for his reputation would have buried that rock in the backyard. But Aki, my son, no, he had to call a press conference. Yeah, I said we had irrefutable evidence that we're not alone. S since there's at least one other civilization out there, we can extrapolate that there must be countless others. It's time we stop fighting amongst ourselves, come together as a united planet, and figure out a way to say hi to the neighbors. You've never seen a bloodthirsty killer reaction like the one he got after that. I understand. People react like that to my work all the time. Tell me, were you able to discern anything else about the tiny aliens through your studies? Yes, one other thing. Although the fossilized shoes are tiny, that doesn't necessarily mean the extraterrestrials were. I also found remnants of fossilized full-sized footprints made by those same shoes in some of the other rocks. Yeah, I'm guessing the being that danced in those shoes had the ability to change size. Garbage. What's that, Mother? Oh, the craft dinner. You waited too long to eat it. It's garbage now. I came all this way. Field notes. Special Agent Ace Galaxy. The footwear contained in the rock did not belong to a small someone from a civilization in Earth's pre-prehistory as originally hypothesized. Furthermore, the tiny alien dancer may not have been so tiny after all. What's the holdup? Why are we paused? This is the giant book of destiny. Everything's already written. Copy aid, fact checker Frank, get in here. Ma'am, Yasmin Stanislavski is standing outside CISA's headquarters trying to decide if she should go in and tell them about the inexplicable artifact she found. Well, what's she waiting for? Oh, oh, here it is. Having lived through more than the standard allotment of ridicule growing up, Yasmin Stanislavski has no desire to invite more by showing anyone her impossible find. You mean that issue with her family is holding up our broadcast? Yeah, I guess so. Look, as descendants of Konstantin Stanislavski, the famous developer of the Stanislavski system for actors, everyone in Yasmin's family is either an aspiring actor, an aspiring director, an aspiring stagehand, or aspiring to do something connected with the stage. All except Yasmin. All she's ever been interested in is dinosaurs. Right! Her family could never accept her decision to become a scientist rather than follow their dreams. Copy aid, get me my giant eraser. I'm going to update Yasmin's destiny so she stops dithering around much sooner and gets on with deciding that her find is incredible and significant enough to risk getting laughed out of the CSIS office. Take a seat. Please, give me a moment. What I'm working on is quite complicated, and I just need to put this part together while it's still in my head. <laughs> Well, it's no wonder no one takes Canadian intelligence seriously. The only person here in this whole CSIS office is this Neanderthalish-looking fellow who'd obviously rather knit than listen to me. Coming here was a mistake. There, finished. What can I do for you, Miss Stanislavski? You have my full attention. Wow, she might be the most beautiful girl in the world. He's actually kind of cute with that protruding forehead casting a shadow over his eyes. <laughs> Maybe someone who knits and goes against the flow by really paying attention to people isn't the sort to start screaming I'm a lunatic <laughs> right away. Miss Denislavsky? Okay, how do I say this? 
In my purse, I've got a... <laughs> I can't say it. What are you knitting? I knit to help myself make sense out of the senseless, to make tangible what's inherently intangible, to find a gateway into the collective unconscious in order to tap into all that is. It's also a sweater for my mother's birthday. Ah. Uh-huh. What was that? You know how you feel about beautiful girls with brown ringlets. Ace, you'll have to work extra hard to monitor what comes out of your mouth when talking to her. Yasmin, just tell him about the artifact. Are you hungry? Thank you for agreeing to discuss my case over lunch. I was worried that once you heard what I had to say, you'd think I was a crackpot and, well, I... I guess I just wanted you to keep speed-blinking at me without thinking I was crazy for a little while longer. Miss Stanislavski, there is a giant cabinet in our office labeled hoaxes and crackpot allegations, and I can assure you I've never filed anything in there. I believe it's important to consider every potential answer to all of life's questions and mysteries, no matter how bizarre, unreasonable, or downright impossible. Hi. Our specials today include toxic salmon, antibiotic-laden steak, and pesticide... Are you hungry? Uh, no. Two waters, please. Great. They're not going to eat or drink anything. I should kick them out. Hold on. Maybe a table that doesn't want anything would be a refreshing change. Would you mind if I knit while you tell me about your case? It will help me keep my mind clear to absorb what you're saying. And to distract me from staring longingly into those mesmerizing eyes of yours. I guess not. Last summer, I was working on a dig in the Alberta Badlands. The site had already produced a tooth and three pieces of the femur of a Gaganatosaurus, so we were all really excited. Go on. Well, it was a scorching hot day and everyone was really thirsty, so I volunteered to go to the water stand run by a kid named Jason about half a mile away. Well, as soon as the water stand came into view, my skin started tingling. Heat stroke. Well, that was my first thought. But the minute my feet touched the ground by the water stand, my bones went from tingling to shrieking under my skin. Dinosaur! You were in communication with a dead dinosaur. Yes, well, sort of. I knew there was a dinosaur buried under there. And you didn't suspect what you were perceiving might be part of a heat-stroke-induced hallucination. What? No, of course not. I knew it. Maybe the artifact I have in my purse is a hallucination, too. (laughs) I am sorry to have wasted your time, Mr. Galaxy. Miss Stanislavski, please, sit down. I didn't mean to upset you. Considering all possibilities, no matter how outlandish, is part of my job. Please continue. And Ace, focus on the sweater you're knitting and try not to say anything else that will make this stunning woman want to run away. Well, none of the other paleontologists wanted to join me in an unpromising area where nothing but water had ever been found. So I recruited Jason and his skateboard buddies to help. We worked for a month, digging and brushing and using a toothbrush to clear away millions of years of dirt until we struck... Dinosaur. Dinosaur. Ace, you left Chief alone in the office? Don't you think that was a little selfish? What if a new case comes in? Special Agent Alexa Von Lucy, Grand Duchess of Bigger, this is Yasmin. We're discussing her case. You and the other special agents had already been on lunch for three hours. I didn't think you'd be much longer. Appalling behavior, Ace. Rajinder. Despicable. Jinbia Baloma. Unprofessional. Drew. 
Ivana Bonwi, wake up. We're leaving. Ace. Ivana? Sorry about that. So you struck dinosaur. You're a paleontologist. Isn't that your job? Well, yes, but it wasn't just any old totally intact dinosaur skeleton. It was a full velociraptor, complete with feathers. The earliest specimen of its kind ever found. We called her Eve because she was the mother of all birds. You certainly are thirsty. My throat has suddenly gone um, all dry. Waiter, could you get us a couple more glasses of water, please? Finally. I was hoping they'd demand something. Having nothing to do isn't all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> right away, sir. Paleontologists from around the world came. It turned into a huge party because of the definitive, undeniable truth that birds evolved from dinosaurs. Well, I mean, obviously they didn't just pop into existence out of an alien spaceship one day or something. That's not crazy. As far as I know, it's accepted wisdom. Small interruption. As respected, dedicated, and meticulous a scientist as Yasmin is, she's completely wrong about everything she just said. Right! The dinosaur Yasmin calls Eve did actually pop into existence after exiting an alien spaceship. Of course, Eve's name was Karen at the time, and... We'll get to all that later. Just setting the matter straight. Destiny out. Bye. Haven't gotten to the crazy part yet. Because everyone was having so much fun at the party, Jason and I were the only ones who actually kept working every day. Your waters. His mom usually wanted him home around dinner time, so I kept working alone into the night by lantern. Waiter, could I have some more water, please? You're anxious. Don't worry, you haven't said anything crazy yet. My family tormented me my whole life about not wanting to become an actor. <laughs> Despite their taunts and ridicule, I went to graduate school and became a scientist. Once I began my career, I thought I'd left all that name-calling behind, and now uh, this has happened. <sighs> Forget I came to see you. I'm sorry, Mr. Galaxia. Please, sit down, Miss Stanislavski. I promise I won't taunt you. Waiter, where's that water? Oh, keep it down. Here's your water, your majesty. You're not the only table in the restaurant, you know. I hope you realize how much running around I'm doing for you. You're doing an exemplary job. I plan on leaving a 25% tip. Oh, really? <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> okay, let me know if there's anything else I can get you. Wait a minute. You haven't ordered anything. 25% of nothing is... Nothing. <laughs> Oops, I'm so Yasmin, sorry. are you okay? Waiter, what's the matter with you? Why would you deliberately pour water on someone's head? Oh, it was an accident. I didn't pour it. I spilled it. Shall I get your check? Oh, wait. There's no check. You never ordered anything. Let's get out of here. No, no, I'm fine, actually. I, I feel better now. We can stay. Waiter, could I have some napkins to clean up this mess? Oh, no. She wants napkins. What One night happened? while you were working all alone... I'd brushed and dusted and wiped all the way down to what looked like a perfectly round rock sitting on the Velociraptor's chest. I should have asked that waiter for another glass of water. Ace, I'll be right back. That woman doesn't look like she's going to finish her drink. Miss Stanislavski, please sit down. I promise I'm not going to call you a crackpot or even think it. How could I, with those tiny droplets of water falling off of your curls like little exploding diamonds of light? 
I beg your pardon? Ace, remember to distinguish between thoughts you keep in your head and thoughts you say out loud. I'm sorry. I never think anyone's story is crazy right off the bat. The truth is I also find you incredibly attractive, and I momentarily forgot which thoughts to keep reined in my head and which ones to let loose in the air. Oh, uh, um, where was I? You found a rock on the velociraptor's chest. Here we go. But it wasn't a rock. It was a round thing that looked just like a tennis ball, and it wasn't sitting on the raptor's chest. It was secured inside some sort of contrivance around its neck. A velociraptor with a necklace containing a tennis ball around its neck. That's insane! What are you, some sort of crackpot? Here are your napkins. Don't ask for anything else. Please, continue. Stranger still, the necklace and tennis ball thing weren't fossilized rock like the rest of the dinosaur. They were still pliable and fresh. Why did you stop knitting? I need to make some notes. I'm listening. Working all the way through the night, I managed to separate the necklace from the rest of the dinosaur. I have a 70 million year old tennis ball in my purse. I came here to see if you could help me figure out why a dinosaur was carrying a tennis ball around without a racket in sight. May I see it? I've never shown this to anyone else. So you and I are the only ones who've ever seen it. Well, you and I and Eve, I had to hide it. If any of the other paleontologists had seen it, they'd have called it a hoax. Then Eve would have been called a hoax along with it. I'd have been put under investigation, and my family would have taunted me to no end. You're absolutely sure there's no way anyone could have faked this. You checked it and double-checked it. There's no doubt about it. I radiometric dated it, I relative dated it, I absolute dated it, I double dated it. This tennis ball and necklace are exactly as old as the dinosaur. But I never hung it around my neck like that. This necklace was designed to hold and protect the ball. For an eternity, if necessary. Why are you holding it up to the light? I'm just trying to see if there's anything unusual about it. Oh, I've done all that. Rolled it around in my hands, thrown it against the wall, threw it at my brother. Wait, I have... Why are you shaking it by your ear? I've never done that. Did you hear this? Sounds like a storm. In the same way it's possible to hear the sea by holding a seashell up to your ear, when you listen closely to the tennis ball, you can hear a thunderstorm. What do you think could be causing that? Field notes, Special Agent Ace Galaxy. Read Dinosaur Necklace and Tennis Ball. Tennis balls, necklaces, and feathers are all commonplace on Earth now. Is it just a coincidence that they all originated on the same dinosaur? What could be causing the sound of the storm? Discuss with the boys in the lab. Why haven't we switched to the boys in the lab? We're running out of time, ma'am. The broadcast is only 30 minutes and we're nearing the half hour mark. Who timed this? What are we going to do for the next two minutes? Hey, who are you? I'm Stan, legal counsel for the book. What are you doing here? Since we have a few minutes, I thought I'd drop by to make sure no one says anything that could get Destiny sued. Sued for what? Oh, you know, uh, arbitrarily handing out a raw deal to a hard-working, good-hearted person while her lazy, no-good neighbor gets life handed to her on a silver platter. I wasn't aware of the giant book of destiny ever being sued. Oh, it hasn't been. <laughs> Automated voice messaging systems were created to ensure that never happens. By arranging for every call that comes into the Destiny offices to be toggled from one automated message to another, with no live being ever in the loop, we can ensure that no complaint is ever received. I see. Just to be clear to everyone listening out there, Destiny is in no way responsible for anything that happens in anyone's life. 
notwithstanding the fact everyone's life was written into the giant book of destiny before they were ever born. So, destiny's not responsible for what destiny created. Correct. Under no circumstances can destiny be held accountable for the circumstances of anyone's life. For any other complaints, serious car accidents, catastrophic injuries, slip and fall accidents, yeah, dog attacks you, and the like, just call... Copy aid, have we hit the 30 minute mark yet? Just about, ma'am. You should sum up the new developments from this broadcast for the listeners. Okay. And throw in a few teasers about the next episode to encourage them to come back next week. Are we still live? The little red light is shining, yes ma'am. In the future, please distinguish between the things you say out loud and the things you communicate privately in writing. Yes, ma'am. Will Ace Galaxy ever figure out how tiny tap shoes got embedded in Precambrian rock or why a dinosaur would need to accessorize itself? Are the two cases related? Will Ace learn to keep his thoughts about Yasmin in his head? Is a romance budding between them? Wrap it up, ma'am. Write it down, copy aid. The boys in the lab are going to come up with some startling discoveries that may answer some questions, but will certainly initiate many more. Tune in next week. Somebody get him a pen. In that episode of The Destiny of Special Agent Ace Galaxy, Gord Mayer starred as Ace Galaxy, Michelle Cote as the editor-in-chief of The Giant Book of Destiny, Eric Blom-Gagné as the aide in Akhenaten Jones, and Elise Blom-Gagné as fact-checker Fran, with J.C. Paquette as the chief and the waiter, Misa Basada as Yasmin Stanislavski, Cindy Hershberg-Sean as Mrs. Jones, and William Patton as Stan. The program was written by Misa Basada and produced by Leslie Burton and Misa Basada with theme music by Jewelbeat. It was directed by Martin Biot with audio production by Simon Bowers at Skylight Studios, Toronto. Want more Ace? Check out our website, acegalaxy.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or drop us a line at projectace1 at gmail.com. Get the new Ace Galaxy app for $1.99 in the iOS podcast box or Amazon Android app store. Just search Ace Galaxy in the Amazon Android app store or in the iOS app store, search podcast box. Install the free podcast box and then search Ace Galaxy. The apps are $1.99 and a great way to support the show and get instant access to all the latest episodes plus bonus extras. You're listening to Wednesday Wonders on the Mutual Audio Network, where you can enjoy the wonders of the imagination. And speaking of wonders, everybody wonders why the Bells in the Battery podcast is still plugging along, not only on Friday Follies, but a bunch of times on Sunday Showcase as well. Give Bells in the Battery a listen sometime, and you'll wonder how he gets away with some of that stuff. Rated G, family-friendly. Caution, occasional toxic puns. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.